1: I think he got it in. Uh, I got it in Mexico. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> I love it. That's amazing. I thought you were just messing around, and then it became a really like, like comprehensive music. Uh, you're really it's good at called, that.
2: It's, it's called the, the Ren horn pipe. Oh, the Belfast hornpipe. I, that, that's the first part of it. I could play all three parts if you like.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> I'm, it sounded nice. I'm tempted, honestly. I just love music, so I don't, I don't want to keep... Uh, I guess we're a little tight on time already, but uh, but that's... that. You know what that reminds me of? I don't know if you're a fan of Star Trek, but... Uh, in the next generation.
2: Yeah, I haven't watched it since the seventies. I'm sorry. Oh, the
1: original one. Yeah. The, the show after that with Picard there with, uh, I think it was P- Sir Patrick Stewart. And, uh, I think he's knighted. I feel like just calling him, sir. Yeah, he yeah, is? he, yeah, is? he uh, is, Yeah. he, there's an episode where he, he lives an entirely different life. Like he, it's, it's this kind of way of, of, it's a it's like a technology of archaeology uh, and like anthropology. Like they kind of beam this life of this person in another planet into his brain. So in a couple of hours he lives like fifty years. It's a very interesting episode. And when he wakes up he can play the flute because the person he lived <laughs> played the flute. And it's exactly the same. Like this kind of small metal uh, tube style. And it's yeah. I want one. <laughs> we'll trade. <laughs> so, uh-
2: one of the Puranas, I can't remember which one uh, a Hindu myths um, Vishnu uh, gives somebody um, someone else's life just like puts them into the, this other life and he lives the whole life believing it's real and uh, you know falls in love, gets married has children, grows old, dies and he's back with Vishnu again and uh, it's like only a second or two has passed. But oh, wow. um, I've, I've often thought, thought that might be inspired by psychedelics. That, <laughs> sounds uh, like it.
1: That is what that sounds like, yeah. right? You feel like time is diluted or, or uh, extended in some way. There's kind of like an infinity and then a kind of... It's, it's, I, it sounds very dreamlike as well because it seems like so yeah, much information. True. And then when you wake up, it, it feels like years.
2: Absolutely. I've actually, I mean, um, I've studied the yoga of the dream path, which is one of the six yogas of Narapa, actually done Buddhist retreats on this. And um, one of the things that happened to me uh, is that I was in a dream that I fully thought was real. And I was a middle aged woman. Mm, wow. uh, having a, a mid-morning break having a cup of tea and a cookie and thinking about uh, how she had to look after her elderly mother who was bedridden upstairs it's a, there was a whole like, context to this which I was fully immersed in and I was surprised of, uh, when I woke up to find that I wasn't her I was the mother bedridden upstairs whoa. this was the weirdest dream i've ever
1: had you had like a false awakening and you became the mother yeah. as well uh, yes whoa exactly. i thought i thought i had you beat i had a story waiting i was like you know what i got i got oh, like no, a no, tell me, tell me. N- no i can't well i mean it's it, that yours is better for sure but i i had i had a false awakening once because i've i've dabbled with lucid dreaming a little bit and your brain starts getting like uh, savvy almost and tries to trick you yeah. to be in a dream again and i woke up and i i i don't use this term often but i shit you not like i i can't there's no other way for me to explain this i woke up and i was like a robot i was some kind of like a, a automaton but i was also like um i was like at a press conference. And I was it was my job to, like, be... I was, like, a journalist. I was there to, like, record what a politician was saying. And I had fallen asleep or some... I don't know. But I was... I woke up and I was some kind of, like, android. And I just realized what I needed to do. Like, in that, that kind of panic moment when you wake up and you're like, oh, was I asleep? Oh, no, I need to do what I needed to do. And it was... I mean... I can't, the details are obviously all shattered now, but I was, like, I, ha- I worked for a certain firm, I had friends, like, I had a life. <laughs> the guy next to me, I knew him, I knew his wife, like, it was very strange, but for some reason in this detailed, strange life, I was also some kind of half-robot person. <laughs> like, yeah. It makes no sense. But yours wins, because you got a double, you were this other person, and then you woke up as her mom, and, like, that's a, yeah, that's, that's special.
2: I had a revelation when I was her mom. I was like, "Oh my God, why didn't I ever see this before?" You know, it was the the mom went through a whole thing too. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, uh, there is a the kind of science of dreaming in Tibetan Buddhism, um, burned, too in the, um, the the indigenous religion in Tibet. And one of the things that they, they say that is that the, the dreams are divided up into basically three. The early night is about the past. The middle of the night is chaotic. And the dreams of the um, early morning, just before waking up, are about the future. Hmm. And they say the more that you perfect tranquility meditation the clearer these dreams about the future will become and it's it's specifically like your future things which will be meaningful to you only, it's not like you don't dream next week's news it's like Mm -hmm. you, you may dream about a visit from a long lost friend or
1: something, you know yeah. It's it's less prophetic in the in the grand scheme and it's more of like it's your personalized. Yeah, like yeah. almost your anxieties yeah. or like these sensations.
2: Yeah, almost like you're
1: remembering the future. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> I oh you know what I realize I like we just we just spilled into conversation. I, I get the feeling that we're gonna uh, have a really fun time <laughs> already. But uh like we, we don't really have a format, you know, we just have a nice long conversation and it's the best, you know. But uh if you wouldn't mind uh, introducing yourself a little bit, just giving us your your oh. name and your creds and your and uh, that really interesting book that we didn't get the chance to to read, unfortunately, but uh, the, just the title <laughs> made our ears fly up. So,
2: well, it's... yeah, I brought it out in case uh, you had any questions. But um, we have so many if so your, good. <laughs> um, if your your um, audience hasn't come across it, I would heartily recommend it. It's like four hundred and something pages and um uh chock full of information mm. um my name is mike crowley and um i come from wales um i uh, had a life as a um software engineer which brought me over to california and i somehow got stuck here um and many do uh, uh, yeah, people do. I may be going back to Wales soon. Let's see. Um, while in Great Britain, um, back in the 60s, I um, ran into a uh, Tibetan llama. And first of all, became friends with him and just used to hang out with him uh, on that basis, going to the movies together and such. And then after a few years... Um, I became his student and formally took um the um, refuge and um five vows called pansil uh with him and he gave me a Tibetan name and I was a, formally made a lay member of the Kaju lineage um I stayed with him for several years, eventually um becoming ordained as a Lama, a lay Lama, not a monk, um, but an official teacher of uh, the Kaju lineage. Um, Over the years, I have noticed several um, references to um, psychoactive substances being used within this tradition. And... Um, the, this is known uh, in Sanskrit. The sacrament is known as Amrita. Um, in Tibetan, it's called Dutsi. There is another tradition of um, um, psychoactive plants in Tibet uh, where they use indigenous plants, and it's called Chuleng. Um All of this stuff I found very interesting and filed away tidbits of information for many years until um, in the mid-90s, I wrote up a paper on a myth, which is about Amrita, about the sacred sacrament, and um, connects it with urine drinking. Mm. So um, my Interest was piqued by this uh, because, as you probably know, there is a tradition of urine drinking connected with the Amanita muscaria mushroom. Um,
1: I, d- I this- have a vague uh, I- information. Uh, I don't know if it ties into it, but I think someone told me about. Um, uh, not it wasn't it wasn't Amanita. Uh, it, it was the it was the green mushroom, not the red one. I always compare they 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 they're like a reference to a video game like to Super Mario Brothers it just has like those white <laughs> dots you know but the green one was very poisonous and ah, they they used to feed yeah. them to like a slave or something and it would it would functionally kill them eventually but then th- w- they would drink the urine which would be kind of like filtered and and it yeah, would be well, it. um
2: the if you ever see a green mushroom, it's infected with something. It's not, uh, don't touch it anyway. But the <laughs> red know. mushroom with white spots, Aminata muscaria, uh, contains a psychoactive substance called muskimol, um, which is not very toxic at all, but it is, um, it, if you, you you could kill yourself if you had a real lot of these mushrooms you know you're in uh, um, a mushroom eating contest you might you know verge on toxicity there but um, <laughs> the winner will die <laughs> yeah but but um, they also the mushrooms also contain a related substance called ebotenic acid which is a little bit uh, psychoactive but a lot toxic so mm. um your liver actually detoxifies the ebotenic acid by a process called decarboxylation and turns it into, guess what, muscimol, the psychoactive mm. stuff which isn't toxic so much. So then you excrete it. It goes from the liver to the kidneys to the bladder and you piss it away. So you can actually have uh, more muscimol in your urine than you ate in the mushroom. So it makes sense to recycle it, and when places where drugs are scarce, like Siberia, that's what they do. So, um, it's not necessarily going through a slave, as it uh, wouldn't, they, um, uh, They slaves are a bit thin on the ground in Siberia anyway, but, and the mushroom's not that toxic. Mm. The toxicity is due to the zebrutennic acid. and um, so they say that um, in some of the first writings on this uh, that were done by a Swedish army officer, um said that five or six people can get high off the same dose of mushrooms just by drinking each other's urine. That's so, it's interesting to see this uh, coming up in um, in terms of this um, Tibetan myth, uh, which um, is presumably a translation into Tibetan of an earlier Indian Buddhist myth, because it resembles in many ways um, an Indian myth called the churning of the ocean, in which... Um, the gods and demons, the gods and anti-gods, um, Asuras, um, a bit like the Titans in ancient Greece. They um, they churned the ocean, which was made of milk, by turning a mountain upside down, it, balancing it on the back of a giant turtle that was Vishnu, and wrapping a giant snake around it, and hauling it back and forth so that it span, spun like a, um, a churning post for a thousand years. And all these various substances came out of the ocean, like uh, cream comes out of milk or butter comes out of cream. And um, they can all be seen as um, metaphors for Soma or Amrita uh Selma was the well, literally it just means juice that which is wheezed out, and that was uh what the Vedas were about, but the Vedas wrote about red and blue um, entities red and blue throated they call them so um these um the This is covered in the book. they they both a Hindu story about the churning of the ocean and the Buddhist version of it. And that was just the first one I found. Mm. There are other versions which reveal other little details too. But, um, so that's where I'm coming from. I eventually compiled it into a book and uh, um, that's what I just showed you.
0: But (laughs) So did you have some type of psychedelic experience that that kind of propelled this into study or is it just from hearing stories and and putting the pieces together and discovering it that way
2: i actually had um, some profound psychedelic experiences in the 60s about the same time that i was discovering tibetan buddhism and uh, not uh, actually, I was first of all interested in Zen Buddhism, but I happened to um, make a personal connection with the Tibetan Lama. So um, I had a profound experience, which I do describe in the book, actually, I, um, of something which I later uh, read. Was known uh, by Buddhists and uh, spoken about by um, a Chinese uh, Buddhist um, teacher in, I think, the 12th century, and um, it's called Indra's Net, hmm. and he just he, he described it and then said, you know, as it is mentioned, as it is described in the Avatamsaka Sutra, which is like even like a thousand years older than that. And so I had what you might call a vision where of uh, an infinite array of crystal spheres. Each sphere was perfectly transparent and reflected or refracted every other sphere in this universe you could see the entire universe by just looking at one sphere and i was not just that it was kind of more profound than that if i can even express it in words each sphere didn't just refract every other sphere it was every other sphere it was and at the same time, I saw the the, the entire place as a uh, the this universe as being um, a field, like a a quantum field, which was being um, modulated um, by uh, all these various waves and waveforms from what I was seeing, also as spheres, and so. Um, it was kind of the the wave-particle duality at the same time as, as Indra's net, and um, so I, I deduced from that. Some, either, when I read what it was called and what it was, you know, that other people had seen it, I I thought, well, either I have found a sneaky back door into um, like some uh, awesome mystical experience. Or the guys that um, explained it back in the uh, 12th century and before, they were taking these drugs too. So um, I I continued my exploration on both counts, both of Buddhist meditation and um, like psychedelic exploration. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a period when I first started when LSD was legal and um, I had... The stuff that we had was made by Zandorz in um, in Switzerland. And um, after that, we discovered that we had um, quite a lot of psychedelic mushrooms in Britain, especially in Wales, where I'm from. So um, we found those to be um, quite an adequate substitute for the... Uh,
1: the, the LSD we'd had previous so interesting comparison yeah I, I don't think I've ever had like real LSD so I can't speak but i I find it interesting like a lot of people seem um, let's say the traditional uh, ideals of 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 uh, Buddhism or or any religion really is kind of like a clean living and then psychedelics are kind of viewed as a drug so there's a lot of times in people's minds uh where these things don't mix. And uh, I'd love to, because for me, I I don't think I've found a proper mix for them either, but I know that it's there. As one is definitely leading into the other in well, some kind of information sense.
2: Um, I I think not only do they overlap, my book is not about whether they should, but it's about the history of um, psychedelic use within Buddhism, mm-hmm. the actual uh, documented use. And in some cases, I show that there are Japanese drawings from the 9th century, which enable you to identify the actual species that they were using, oh, wow. like um, Psilocybes uh, Liniformans and Psilocybes These um, uh, These are quite... Um, definitely uh, depicted in the art of the ninth century. So um um there's a lot of linguistic evidence too and oh um one little one little um, linguistic item the later tantras um spoke of a fivefold amrita a fivefold um, elixir. Amrita, by the way, means elixir of immortality. It's, um, it's just literally immortality. die um, Mrita is like death. The actual word for death is mritu. But amrita is no death. So, immortality. Um, so, not to be confused with amanita, which is Greek for mushroom so um oh so uh, the, it, by the time of um the late tantras they were speaking of a fivefold amrita that is to say that five different um elixirs were mixed in it um it was called panjamrita fivefold amrita and this has come down to us as, as the English word "punch," meaning a mixed drink. Mm-hmm. It was originally ah not related to the to the fist no. punch, which comes from a Greek. Um, and uh, that's funny. I, rap- I just thought it
1: because you 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 wrap your five fingers, so I thought it meant like ah right. uh... Uh, yeah, but uh,
2: that that that's, that's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> a linguistic coincidence, I think. That's but um but Pancha is um, is Sanskrit for five, um, as in the area called the Punjab, which is Pancha Arba, five rivers. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't let anyone try and tell you it's pronounced Punjab. It's not it's Punjab. Five Punjab. five rivers. So five amritas, Punjab Amrita by the time the british had invaded india and occupied it with the british raj this meant five alcoholic drinks mm. and that's how it was picked up by the the british army as punch and um and how it entered the english language mm. um there's a footnote in the, the oxford english dictionary all about it i was delighted to see that they derived it from Sanskrit panchamrita. So, um, part of my book is trying to decipher what these five drugs might have been. I cover 72 different plants altogether um, and um, uh, also point out that uh, such things as the cult of Tara uh, may have been um, an uh, ayahuasca-like um, sacrament that's um, based on Acacia bark hmm. um, uh, because Tara seems to be associated with Acacia um, the, one of the earliest forms of Tara is called Vani Tara which means Tara of the Acacia grove <laughs> or sound hmm. or colour, it's very hard to tell, <laughs> but it doesn't seem to be good Sanskrit is probably um, the, what's known as Buddhist hybrid Sanskrit, and um, uh, many attempts have been made to to parse that particular word, but it does seem that she is related to um, Ishtar and Inanna in uh, that they were worshipped in acacia groves too.
1: Hmm. I never made that connection. Ta- Tara refers to like a female Buddhist, like figure, a Buddha, like a like a a, yeah, a, a Buddha in her own not right.
2: Just, not just Buddha either. Um, she seems to be old, and is part of um, Hinduism and Jainism too. Um, so, I, I, I had a book that was published in India years ago called Tara and Ishtar and made a very good argument that um, um, Tara may have been imported from Sumeria. Um, and I'm pretty sure that uh, Inanna was. There There was an old Indian goddess of around the um, uh, there are coins with her on from like the 6th century and before. Um, and in India she was called Nana and she was often shown riding a lion Uh, and Nana was associated with lions too so um, it's quite possible that these goddesses uh, were brought into India by merchants Hmm. which is um, possible uh, that's why um, Tara got her name which um, Actually, means star in um, uh, in Sanskrit. Um, there, there are later Buddhist etymologies which suggest that a name means "she who ferries across," but that's mm-hmm. not the original meaning at all. So there are um, um, theories that um, Mesopotamian. Uh, traders may have found their way to India by um, by the stars, and um, and uh-huh. so they brought that goddess with her and called her the star, which is, by the way, Venus. Um, literally, um, they, the the word for Venus in Sanskrit is Tara and if you look at Ishtar she was the, also the uh, the planet Venus uh, there's a lot of uh, correspondences um, including the use of um, acacia um, the acacia groves which um, is apparently still used for um, um Purposes of intoxication, if you like, in the Middle East, um, the, uh, the uh, it is used by the uh, Bedouin Arabs. Um, so I have been informed. So there are. Um, so that would be one of the one of the components, I would imagine, in this five fold concoction. Um, I also cover the use of um, psychoactive grasses. Um, there are um, grasses which have psychoactivity, particularly um, some grasses in india the 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 sacred power grass, uh, power Um it's um, said by myth to have a touch of soma Hmm. about it and it makes me wonder what that mean Hmm. is it slightly psychoactive and I found out why that it can be infected by um, a fungus an endocytic fungus called acrimonium which produces um, um, substances similar to those that are produced by ergot, but yeah. much more efficiently and so if they had a way to separate um, the, maybe by simple solution I don't know, um, they could separate ergene or something like, which is um, lysergic like amide as found in morning glory seed
1: oh, I think we lost you here
0: is he gone? connection lost
1: Oh, I think we got you back. Can you hear us?
2: Oh, hi. Yes, I can. I didn't lose you at all. No. Okay, good.
1: We're back. You just froze on our end for a second.
2: So, it's it's quite possible that um, um, having a touch of Soma means that some of this species, some individuals of this species will have it and others won't, and they would just have to... um, Pass down the information about which pass patch of, patch of grass to use hmm. and that. by the way, I reminded myself that Hawaiian baby woodrose that's it's not really Hawaiian it comes from uh, Bengal and the uh, eastern side of the Indian subcontinent there is um it's quite possible that that was um, the substance known as uh, um as the soma creeper, uh, soma lata, it was called, the soma vine. Mm-hmm. Um, not much research has been done into that at all. Uh, there are um, references to various kinds of um, of uh, psychoactive substances all over the uh, um, the scriptures, Hindu. Buddhist and and even like Taoist stuff. Well, you 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 said that um, the the religions propose a like clean living. Um, it maybe seems that's I'm wrong. Why it... these these things were considered secret? Mm. Um, it wasn't like they broadcast them, and uh, um, you know spoke of them openly they they wrote tantras which are like deeply secret they have um, according to some writing um, in tibet in the 11th century someone wrote to explain tantras and said they have seven levels of secrecy now that it is well known that they use a secret code called sandhyabasa but they a lot of tantras are actually um shuffled in their pages too you couldn't know which uh which page page to read after next um wow. so um they um seem to use a lot of puns and um if you can read Sanskrit, it seems like the the puns are not that hard mm-hmm. um and also, um, significantly, I found this out between the uh, first and second editions, so it's there in the second edition. There, is, uh, there are uh, scriptures which quite clearly state these goddesses are actually plants, not just, not just the plant species, but they also symbolize the experience of the plants.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm.
2: Uh, so this goddess is what getting high on this drug uh, seems like, you know. That 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 actually comes out quite explicitly in uh, um, some uh, some traditions. Well, even sense.
0: like ayahuasca, it, it comes in the form of a of a snake most of the time. So a lot of the depictions of ayahuasca is with a with a snake a snake uh, entity, a very and then you see the serpent is a, is a very common theme in a lot of religious texts and stories. So it's just yeah, that alone I,
2: is fascinating. I've wondered about that myself, yeah. and um, had um, um, had some lengthy conversations about that. There's um, oh, there's behind me on the wall, by the way, is um, um, an ayahuasca manta. It's uh, an older cloth that's um, been dyed with ayahuasca and then had concentrated ayahuasca painted on top of it. That's so awesome. and you know if yeah, if I ever wanted to uh, have uh, an ayahuasca trip, we could always just like drink the laundry. <laughs> <laughs> so um,
1: it's it's beautiful. But it's oh, funny it's, to it, think.
2: It's, it's very well done. It's hmm. phenomenal, I think. Um, I have a friend who is um, um, an ayahuasquero, a, um, uh, a shaman hmm. in Brazil. And um, uh, he makes some exquisite ayahuasca, um, which doesn't make you in the slightest bit queasy. Yeah. Definitely don't throw up on his stuff. Well. Um, but it's really, it's really not my, um, cup of tea, if you like. <laughs>
1: I was really um, hoping you'd say I that. I <laughs>
2: get too many side effects with it. Okay. So, um, oh, my friend, the shaman suggested that I just take a lot more. I... <laughs> that's, it's, 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 that's, that's a lot of people's
0: advice things. when it comes to ayahuasca. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. you, you haven't drank enough yet. <laughs> keep, yeah. keep going. Yeah,
2: that's
1: right. <laughs> I have heard that's that too right. many times. <laughs>
0: but i wanted to go into these all these entities and all these depictions in different texts and different religions they all come down to some weird animal human morph morphism in a sense and it's so when you take a psychedelic drug you have these kind of visions or these kind of blurred lines between separation between you and whatever um that's for me after my psychedelic experiences, it makes so much sense that religious texts at the roots started from some type of visionary experience. And even when you go into the story of Adam and Eve, the the forbidden fruit just sounds to me like some like a psychedelic experience that she 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 had.
2: Right. Um. It. I'm I'm with you as far as the. Um, uh, myth is concerned and there's like these uh, apparent revelations and and stuff there is a layer of the psyche which you know is full of that those archetypal energies mm. um, but when it comes to the actual iconography of of deities I find that it's at least in the Buddhist and um, Hindu context um they have um, the number of arms necessary to hold all the implements, the um, and things like that. But, oh, that's funny. Um, There's the like a there's like a practicality to it sometimes. Yes, uh, but it's like look at what implements they are carrying, and hmm. um, d- do they have any hidden meaning? Um, also, do they? Uh, um, uh, do they have any punning meaning mm. uh, for instance um, uh, a deity might be holding a book now book in Sanskrit is patra now atapatra means um, a parasol or a mushroom so could a book just be like saying shrooms, you just like drop the first part of the word off, so it could be a tapatra or patra. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an interesting story in the um, in the um, book called the Eighty Four Mahasiddhas, um, and it's about all these Buddhist masters who. Um, were ordinary people or they were um, like broken defective people or they were kings or whatever they just took their own particular um, personality and turned it into enlightenment all very interesting stuff a lot of it is very symbolic and uh, weird (laughs) Um, several of them are about uh, Amrita about using This sacrament. The very last story in the book um, is about someone who isn't even a Buddhist. He's a Hindu, an alchemist called Viali, and he lives in a town called Patra, which, uh, or in other versions, Apatra. Um, So, this could easily be a, co- a corrupted not necessarily corrupted and like uh, accidentally but um, a deliberately foreshortened um atapatra, parasol or mushroom anyway the whole story of of Viali is there in order to explain how Buddhists got hold of the the um the recipe for making amrita because this guy viali had discovered it and it involved a red flower um, which is um, which was provided by his um, his wife who was a, a a prostitute and then he makes the he makes the to the, the, the elixir of immortality um eats it himself gives some to his wife and some to his horse so he's got an immortal wife and an immortal horse, and they go off into some distant island and live happily ever after until there's some what is Mahasiddha called Nagarjuna um, goes there with his magic flying sandals, and he swaps one of the flying sandals for the recipe. So that's how Buddhists got the recipe for emrita. I mean, mm. I'm sure there's a really um common sense story hidden in there somehow but um the the story we've got is um quite extraordinary
1: <laughs> it's It seems like you're just dealing with so much uh i mean obviously there's so much time in between the truth and and you trying to figure it out, but it is this kind of like uh, scavenger hunt also, and it's fueled with with all the imagination of the individuals and all the, all the etymology and all the, the literal sounds, like you're saying, sometimes there's just, like, puns or abbreviations and, and obviously a uh. lot of um, personal imagery, you know, of the time that's going to fuel... Like you said, sometimes they just got a bunch of arms because they need to hold all the things that are important. It's not about the arms, it's about the things. So it's like you ha- there's so much detective work involved in this. And you're even uh. saying Soma... Like when you said when you said that other plant that other the the grass with the fungus like is soma like the first thing I thought of was not necessarily the imagery or the invoked um, uh, like deities but more the feeling because if someone takes like uh, LSD and then shrooms and then salvia and then uh, ayahuasca and iboga there's common there's literally common feelings and it could be Uh. that simple as well they're just like oh it's the same. It's a similar feeling. It's Soma-like. I take Soma. It's a thing uh, that mm-hmm. might be a deity or a kind of feeling, a name of something but ambiguous.
2: Basic, I mean, what what it actually said was that it had a touch of Soma to it. Ah, so, so it was more scientific, it, if uh, anything. Yeah, so it's like how I interpret this as meaning, well, some of these species do and some of these don't. And it's still, still important in some... Um, Uh, Buddhist initiations like you were given this uh, two pieces of this grass Hmm. to put under your pillow and under your mattress the night before you have um, an initiation and then your dreams are interpreted and Hmm. if they're inauspicious you don't get the initiation (laughs) Uh, but um, oh it's also said that that's what the Buddha used for his um, uh, his seat when he sat in meditation and became enlightened, was bunches of this um, uh, grass called d- durva or uh, kusha? It has a few different names in Sanskrit. Uh, I
1: I wonder if this is a kind of like an obvious question, but it's referring to the elixir of immortality, and and it's it seems like that's interchangeable with enlightenment. It's not necessarily to live forever, but there's this kind of like. Like, what are they referring to? What do you think is being referred to when they talk about immortality?
2: Well, of course, it's it's not literal immortality. And Damn it. <laughs> it's, it's a term that came, oh, well, you know, sometimes it's construed like that, mm-hmm. that um, certain people who did um, imbibe with this elixir are said to be still alive as a result of it. You know, and so Padma Padmasambhava, who would be like, Oh, I don't know, but fifteen hundred years old now. Um, <laughs> we supposed to be still around subduing demons and the like. So um, I think he's. To be honest, I think he's slacking. Uh, <laughs> but, um, Good point. <laughs> but um, then again, you know, um, I don't. D- d- Um, sidetrack a little uh, when um, climbing sacred mountains in China with an old friend of mine um, we were actually introduced to a gentleman who had been sitting in meditation for um, over 1200 years and um, he was 99 years old when he sat down in meditation Um, some people may have said he's died, but he looks perfectly alive. Um, the clothes, his robes are hanging off him in shreds, but he looks, he looked younger than me. I mean, younger than I am now. He looked about 40 something. But so you came across this, uh,
0: this individual. I'm sorry. You came across him during your hike? Uh,
2: no, 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 no. Um, um, we were, um, Hiking around this mountain called Johasan San, okay. and um, we came to this one um, temple, the original, oldest temple in the uh, area, founded by a, uh, um, a Korean monk called Kim Go Gak. And we we entered it. There was a very dark meditation hall. We we bowed and sat down in meditation, and we meditated for a while, and. Um, when we got up, there was this monk who had been standing there the whole time and wandered over to us and said, um, would you like to have tea with the abbot? And we went, oh, well, yeah, fair enough. We'll have tea with the abbot. So we walk into this, this like dining room, which is a total contrast to the dark meditation hall. It's all like light and airy. And there's about a dozen people sitting all around this long table, and they're all waiting for us. And they tell us that they, there's a uh, a young nun who acts as a, an interpreter. And um, uh, they they say that they'd heard that there were two foreigners, two white guys in the area and wondered what we were doing there. And because people had said that we were Buddhists. And we said, yeah, it's true. And they were amazed and they said there are American Buddhists. And I said, well, I'm not American, but sure, there are (laughs) lots. And Mm -hmm. um, and so we had tea, we, you know, chatted for a while. And just as we were about to leave, the abbot says via the uh, interpreter, would you like to meet the founder? And I'm like toujours la politesse. So um, we we said, why, of course. Me knowing that the place was founded like 1300 years ago almost, (laughs) you know. And I thought it must be a mistake in translation. Um, But they took us to this like room behind the shrine, the meditation hall. There's a little room where the guy is just sitting there, just sitting meditating yeah. uh, or in the position of meditation with completely normal flesh and skin. This is not a mummy. This looks like. A guy who's just been sitting there for a couple of hours, maybe, but, you know, he was going to get up anytime soon.
1: <laughs> and, he, and um, I mean, you just... You didn't see him do anything else the no, whole time you were there?
2: No, we were introduced to him, and, like, uh, you know, like Reverend Kim go this is Mike Crowley, this is Steve Aldridge, and um, so we were formally introduced. He didn't respond, but that's, you know, I, I just a little aside there because wow. we were talking about immortality and this guy was, he could be well on his way to immortality. That's, I man. don't know, it's hard to tell.
1: It is. I'm, I love that you made the distinction. You're like, well, he looked like he was meditating. I don't really know what he was doing. <laughs> I found that funny. It's an intelligent distinction. Maybe he's just doing his taxes in his head. Who knows? <laughs>
2: Uh, ah, so that was a fun um, digression. So the the term um, immortality was devised by whoever composed the Rig Veda. The Rig Veda is the oldest of the four Vedas, and it's basically a bunch of chants which are spoken, sung somewhere in between speech and singing, but it's kind of chanted rhythmically at the Soma ceremony called the um, Yajna or Agnihotra. Now, um, this ceremony uh, took place over about a week, and it's always done in the open air. Um, it starts with the sacrifice of an animal um, but she's usually tethered to a post and then beheaded. And hmm. it's followed by a fire ritual. The hearth is made of 108 bricks in a particular shape. They, uh, I mean, the bricks are the normal shape, but they're arranged in the shape of a bird, an eagle, um, which relates to the myth of the um, the the bird that stole the soma, which, incidentally, seems to parallel the Nordic myth of the uh, the eagle that stole the mead of poetry. Something I intend always haven't intended to look into, but I haven't really. Um, anyway, mm. uh, they in this ceremony, they have. Uh, two stones grinding stones and they grind a substance um, which they call the soma plant and and mix it with water or um, or milk and catch the uh, um, the resulting liquor on a, um, a cowhide and then scoop it up and Give some to the fire and offer it to the fire god and the and various other gods, and then they um, they put the most of it into a a large bowl called the ocean, uh, samudra, which means ocean, and they each have a a, a cup of it, and um, and they they um, all get high on it and end up with a freestyle wrap Contest, (laughs) so that is um, uh, that's what we'd call it nowadays. But it's pretty much what they did, and they had to abide by certain um, uh, metric structures, like uh, you you get in uh, in poetry and so on. Mm. Uh, They didn't rhyme, though. Anyway, um, the. The Sama Veda, the second Veda, is a rearranged version of those. It's just in the order in which you would use them in the ritual. Then the uh, Yajur Veda is a bunch of um, um, commentaries and things, very interesting asides on the the ceremony, and tells us a lot about um, the various rudras, uh, which seem to be, Mushrooms. Yeah. Um, they. Uh, it says there are red rudders and there are blue throated rudders, and they are known to um, the boys that fetch water from the spring. No, the girls that fetch water from the spring and the boys that tend the cows. So the boys that tend the cows. Um, will know about the blue-throated Rudras and the girls who fetch water know about the red Rudras. And there's other such tempting tidbits like this throughout the Yajur Veda. The Atara Veda is mostly um, uh, evil-averting spells, Um, not much of interest about um, drugs in there, but uh, um, interesting otherwise.
1: A very, I didn't know that it was like kind of a in sequence as such, and like kind of decrypting one from the next, uh, like, like a kind of uh, like a there like a al- also, additions uh, almost,
2: yeah. Uh, that, but there are also like commentaries, um, separate commentaries, like uh, um, the Brahmanas comment on the Rig Veda, and they tell you interesting things like who you can buy Soma from. How to cheat the Soma seller, because the Soma seller is evil, and you know you've got to cheat him because he will do it to you, so get your retaliation in first. <laughs> oh, it's evil. It's really evil. It's... And so it tells you, like, oh, for instance, yeah. it, it it tells you to uh, do a bait and switch. Like oh, really? Show him your <laughs> best cow, and then when he produces the Soma, snatch it from him and give him your worst cow. <laughs> So, um, That's uh, if, if it's if if it's um, if there are no cows involved and it's just you know a monetary transaction, it tells you to to beat him with a stick well, until he gives you the money back, and it doesn't stop there. It actually tells you <laughs> what kind of stick to use. <laughs> Which is, a, which is a mottled bamboo, if you were wondering, are you ever going to do this to your, uh, your dealer? I uh, was
1: hoping it was some spiritual reason, but it sounds like a bam- like it's just a good stick. You just want to make sure good, it doesn't break on you. <laughs>
2: yeah. um,
1: a real switch, yeah. as it were.
2: A, a lot, actually. Um, it's always assumed, or not always, but often assumed, that the Vedas are full of spiritual information and advice mm-hmm. they're not they're not they're basically um like the prayers are for um more cattle faster horses prettier wives and better luck at dice it's like <laughs> really it's like not much different from the ancient romans really um, it does sound like a we, kind of black
1: magic you know like just kind of getting getting an easier life yeah. sacrificing an animal here and there
2: absolutely and it wasn't until the um, Vedanta, which is like after the peak period of the Veda's, Vedanta may well have been um, like a recrudescence of indigenous wisdom um, just expressed in Sanskrit in Veda's language. Oh. Hmm. And it, And the Vedanta literature, the Upanishads, are genuinely spiritual. Mm-hmm. They are a, about, you know, uh, far loftier um, topics than are spoken of in the Vedas.
1: It seems uh, maybe more internally practical and 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 maybe a little more complex and and spiritual, like you said. Whereas like the 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 second the second Veda you said was called the Soma Veda. That's literally telling you like the order in which the first one was, and then the last yes. one is like, oh, by the way. Like, you might be opening some portals to some some scary places, so here's, like, how you dodge the evil. And somewhere in between is, is beat the seller with a stick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not so as a, spiritually... That's
2: the second one is the Sama-Veda. Sama, sorry. Sama is an adjective from Soma.
1: Ah, okay. It means that makes sense.
2: the Veda of
1: Soma. Oh, okay. Soma. And, um, it, and the word Soma, it, you said it referred to... Uh, like uh, like the actual word, I don't remember. You said it refers to like a like a liquid or or like a.
2: Oh, it means it means juice. juice. It means something which is pressed out. Okay. Um, and, oh, okay. Um, Specifically,
1: hmm. like the essence of like a fruit or of a or of anything, I guess, yes. like any kind yes. of. Absolutely yes. That's um, really cool.
2: The the um, uh, Tibetan for um, amrita though is is which means demon juice demon <laughs> juice uh, <which> is <laughs> whoever named that had a bad trip <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: they go no nah, man this is demon juice
0: but yeah. even like ayahuasca some some refer to it as the vine of the dead and some other refer to it as the vine of the souls like it has these two kind of opposites to it you know
1: yeah connected yeah. but definitely colored more lighter or do- darker yeah i
0: guess it's interesting
2: there's a lot of um as i say uh, um puns like um blue throat and blue stem are very close in sanskrit one is nila and the other is nila so That's they're uh, they're very very close and uh, an obvious pun when you will see um some goddesses for instance uh, dakinis drinking out of a skull cup they are sometimes said to be drinking Amrita and sometimes said to be blood like um, well whose blood is that where does this blood come from Mm. and there are actually commentaries that tell you they don't always tell you the same thing but uh, they actually uh, do say this is the blood of the enemy, or sometimes the blood of the unrighteous. Well, this takes a little tiny bit of unpacking. Um, Enemy is like um, not the most common word for enemy, which is Ari, but quite a uh, poetic term for enemy is Amitra. Friend is Mitra, Amitra, is not friend, so this is just a pun on Amrita.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, what about the unrighteous? Well, un- the word for unrighteous is Anrita <laughs> and with an N, Anrita. So, it's just it's, if you speak Sanskrit, if you can read Sanskrit, it's also bloody obvious, yeah, They're it's... not really ma- making a, a, a huge attempt to hide it from
1: you. Mm. It also it also could be kind of poetic, you know, like the 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 juice of something, like the juice of a human, is the blood. You know, it it just yeah, might yep. be a way of using the word blood in a kind of uh, p- with a little poetic uh, license. You know, there's so yeah. many possibilities. Uh, you're referring. I, I'm curious as well. Like you're referring to the blue throat, and I'm and I, I'm I'm s- a little bit familiar with uh, the story of of Nilkant, like this this mythology of swallowing the the poison air quotes, yes, and yes, then the throat yes, actually yes, turning yes. blue.
2: And um, that, that poison features um, largely in um, the Tibetan uh, version of the Journey of the ocean, which is in a text called the Dream Zhao which is the immaculate crystal garland. The, the titles of Tibetan texts, by the way, seldom have anything to do with their contents. So... <laughs> um one of the pop is, um,
1: need a good title. one of the
2: first things that was ever translated from tibetan into english by um uh, there was a german explorer called uh, um who came across this text and brought it back from tibet um and um it was uh, a facsimile a uh, copy of that that book was um, published in um, the 1960s, in about you know 50 copies or something, I happened to pick up one, and this is how I read of the um the urine drinking episode. And I uh, uh went, Hello, something up here, and so that uh that led to the whole rest of this. It's well, very uh,
1: serendipitous. Well, uh, that's pretty cool,
2: yeah. Uh so I've gone on to discover other um, um, other hidden uh, references to mushroom in texts like the um, um, the Bhagavad Purana, which book ten is all about Krishna, is where we get all the Krishna myths from, and some of those um, seem to um, describe the the shift from the Vedic use of Amanita Muscaria, to the use of the more indigenous uh, Psilocybe Cubensis. And um, um, I'm thinking particularly of the the myth of Girigovardhana, where um, uh, Krishna becomes um, a chatra, it says. He lifts a mountain above his head, which is... Um, years mountain govardhana means um, abundant in cattle cattle galore hill uh, and he mm. he lifts it above his head and becomes a chatra well Chatra is uh, has has two main meanings one is um, umbrella the other one is mushroom and so, um, if only it's like obvious, you <laughs> you, the further you fur go,
1: and it's... there he is, dark blue, holding
2: a mountain over his head, and he's become a guess what? A mushroom, it's a blue stem mushroom. And the, the uh, he is um, known as a, a cowherd, and uh, the mushroom, the, the hill is uh, um, <clears throat> abundant in cows, and, and so on. Um, so along comes um indra and fights him over some offerings and indra throws a tempest at the at the 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 area and he becomes this um mushroom parasol and eventually um uh the um indra has to give up and he says all sorts of interesting things like oh if we allow him um uh, to you know, behave the way he wants, people will attain um, mystic states without the use of ritual.
1: Hmm. That sounds like a one-for-one uh, one parallel for the the Adam and Eve story. Like, if if they eat of the fruit of knowledge, they will be uh, like us. Uh, you know, and it and it says "us" for some reason instead of "me." And like, you think it's God talking, but it seems like this kind of uh, like like someone, someone essentially like a creating some kind of knowledge barrier and it's like no 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 you have to go through the proper channels you can't just take this sacrament and suddenly be enlightened <laughs> that's not how we do things here
2: <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but it seems that krishna wins and uh indra's wife mrs indra indrani <laughs> uh is her name that's all it just means mrs indra um
1: <laughs> and,
2: and 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 so uh she says oh Perhaps he'd be a fitting playmate for our son. And um they, they they kind of make an uneasy truce. And the interesting thing is immediately afterwards, the next chapter, there is um uh, a speech from um Kamadenu, um the wish-granting cow, um who is also called Surabi, like the most beautiful. And um, she is, she is a cow, and uh, but she was one of the things that were made at this churning of the ocean, and um, strangely her udders don't give milk; they give amrita, hmm. and uh, hmm. she gives this eulogy in favour of Krishna and says how. Um, uh, he, you know, he's uh, opened up this way to uh, um, enlightenment, if you like. So, um, it's it's almost like he's, let's say, uh, like um, a kind of open secret, a nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Mm-hmm. It's about the mushroom, really, kind of thing, which I'm amazed has got lost, or seemingly lost. Um, and... Um, There are other, there are other little giveaways, like um, his, um, uh, when he's a baby, he's placed under a cart um, uh, to put him in the shade out of the way, they put him underneath the cart, but with his tender shoot-like legs, he pushes the cart over. This is like the traditional, like mushroom under a paving stone kind of thing. Mm. also, when he's born, he's covered in powdered cow dung and mystic syllables, protective syllables are written into it with cow urine. I mean, this, is, this sounds like something which has grown up out of a cow pad. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, which is where you would so, find
0: the psychedelic mushrooms that would grow out of cattle, had uh, the cattle dung. Yeah. And then what which, 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 which always blows my mind is that the cow is the sacred animal in India. It's, it's yeah. And worshipped from the
1: rear. Mm-hmm. Did wow. you know that? I did not know that. I didn't know that. now worship the arse of the cow, not the face. Wow. <laughs> That's <laughs> just inherently funny. On, I don't even know.
2: <laughs> and and the, um, uh, the goddess Lakshmi in some places is, uh, on her annual day, she is worshipped in the form of a pile of cow dung. Um.
1: Whoa. That's funny. Yeah, so... Oh man, um, I, I was in India for that day in the north, and they they usually they clean the cow shit because there's cows just wandering the streets, and they didn't that day. and I didn't know why, and you just reminded me now, and I wonder if it's the connection.
2: That's probably it. Yes. that's crazy. They just have,
1: they're like, nope, l- sacred.
2: Lakshmi has a um, uh, uh, a son called Kardama, which means cow shit. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, you know, you gotta have a good reason to call yourself, uh, call your son Cowshi <laughs> <laughs> No doubt she loved him and everything, you know but, That's it, there <laughs> must be a good
1: reason Yeah, I, Lakshmi, I remember Lakshmi being this kind of obviously this is a simplification but this is representing some kind of uh, fortune or, or, or prosperity I guess recently, or my exposure of it is that it's a kind of financial gain but is there a it's, connection there?
2: It's weird, actually. You should mention that um, that she is also also known uh, by the name Shri, which means fortune, good fortune, and this goes back a long way. That um, to this myth of of Krishna, with um, um, the the the. The clash with Indra and Krishna, and um, Indra says, because of the, this, uh, the influence of the, of this cow herd, the the village of Vrindavan has uh, become intoxicated with wealth. Mm-hmm. It's a weird choice of words, but a lot of wealth deities also seem to be um um apotheoses of drugs of are, are just a uh, um, a deification of a particular plant or drug um so we have um for instance white Mahakala who is a wealth deity um, who um jumps up and down on um, the prostrate form of Ganesha and wish-granting gems come out of all of Ganesha's bodily orifices. (laughs) And uh, there are other reasons for um, uh, uh, associating Ganesha in Hinduism with, um, with drugs, like with Amanita Muscaria particularly, because he has one white tusk and a red head. It's not oh. often mentioned that his head is red, hmm. but it sounds like just a, a, a uh, another like another wink. Uh, another wink and a nudge. Exactly. Yes.
0: There seems um, to be so many of these winks. <laughs> yeah. It's there are. When it's the mind blowing.
2: Eyes are open to them. It's like it's especially, everywhere, especially. Um, as, especially with these like Sanskrit puns and uh, and <coughs> uh, probably uh, slang words too, which are not recorded anywhere, mm-hmm. which uh, you can kind of infer sometimes.
0: My question too is how did how did we lose this this knowledge? I guess, and how do we lose these connections to these to these substances? Is it because we demonized it as a society and we kind of brushed it out, or did it lose its translation at some point?
2: I have to think that it's not exactly lost. I think there are traditions which um, maintain their use in secret mm. um, there are, um, um, it's it's hard to lose some things actually if it's uh, um, like in Wales um um we have mushrooms everywhere. We have psilosope semilanciata, which is the liberty cat mushroom, doesn't grow on cow dung, grows on decaying mats of ryegrass. So it grows everywhere. And um, the only thing is that the land mustn't dry out at all um any time during the year. So you're looking for damp areas where the dry grass is and everywhere. Now, I remember when I was about nine years old playing with my little kids from my neighborhood. There's a girl about my age and she says, my little brother eats mushrooms. And I turned to him and he's about five years old. I turned to him and I said, you don't do you? He said, yes, grinning. Yes, mm-hmm. he said. And I said, why on earth do you do that? And he said, they help me see the fairies. Mm-hmm. and I thought the child insane and um, wow. you know like ignored it totally until years later when I thought wait a bit <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's often like the children and people on the margins of society who will um, maintain some of these things actually further to that when I knew what these mushrooms were and by the way in, in Britain there are no small brown mushrooms um, that are poisonous, unlike in the United States. Hmm. Um, so you know here we've got things like Gallerina autumnalis, which grows right amongst wavy caps, amongst uh, um, cyanescens. Uh, so you've got to be careful. In Britain, you can just gobble all the little mushrooms and, until something happens, which is obviously what this kid did. <laughs> so. A little later, well, I'm in my 20s and um, uh, we're looking for mushrooms on a Welsh hillside and a kid like comes up to a, a friend of mine and says, what are you doing mister? He says, I'm looking for mushrooms. And uh, the kid said, bit old for that aren't you? <laughs> mm.
0: Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's funny.
2: So, yeah, so it's hard to lose the, uh, the 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 knowledge if it's right there under your feet.
0: I think you're right. I think it got pushed into secret because I'm based on probably the societal laws of that time and the, the going beliefs of the power structures. I can see it in parallels even today. There are a lot of ceremonies of mushroom ceremonies, ayahuasca ceremonies are usually done more in secret even in today's times, you know?
2: Uh-huh.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know Sorry,
2: though my I cat keeps my laptop <laughs> yeah
1: no, we noticed it's it's adorable uh, um, i I just uh I was thinking i mean this is a stretch, and I'm sure it's it's kind of a you need, you kind of need like a conspiratorial mindset to kind of guess a pattern and then see if it survives with the information you have in a sense, but you're we're talking about the connection with these deities of prosperity and how they're often connected with uh, a psychedelic sacrament or something. And I'm wondering, now that you mentioned the the those other books, <laughs> um, maybe it became demonized because it became a source of prosperity. Maybe selling a certain plant that gives you a certain psychedelic experience, a certain, like, a very enlightening experience, especially back then when there was just, like, less... Uh, f- Stimulation in, the, in general, you know? That, that could uh, make someone... Maybe there's, maybe there's an entire book about how to buy it because it became a very like lucrative business. And then maybe that became demonized because it became a way to create that division. Just one more way I, to create I, rich people. I,
2: I somehow doubt it myself. I mean, the, in, the, in the Vedas and the Brahmanas, when they speak about buying it, They are definite outsider people. They're not part of the the culture. They are um, the non-Aryan people from the northwest. No, northeast. From the northeast. And um, um, we don't know who they are. It's possible that they are um, the people who had gods who were turned into demons, like the... um, the 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 devas the gods of the Arya people who migrated into india about 2500 bc Mm. um they the the stories they they write them about the the gods fighting with the with the the anti-gods these anti-gods like sound like they could be like rival tribes around them there's the uh, um the danaeans the Datus, the nagas the asudas the you know there is there are several of them um we know there is a tribe called the nagas um but uh, it's difficult to see if they are anything to do at all with the nagas that the uh the davas fought <laughs> now um but <clears throat> it's these it's these like non- caste marginalized tribal people who always seem to be the source of the drugs. They are the people who live in the forest and know all the plants you know mm-hmm. uh, there are even um descriptions of certain tribes like the Shavari tribe um, who are um Uh, there's um, a deity, a female deity called Parna Shavari, um, which means, uh, Parna means leaf, Um, can also mean feather, but it's definitely leaf in this. And, um, And so she is often shown with a skirt made of cannabis leaves, um, so, it is um, there is a definite um, um, association between you know marginalised people, tribal people, um, women, uh, barmaids, but and prostitutes particularly, and the people who deal with the um, uh, uh, unsavoury members of society. They mm. are the ones that go to for the drugs. Um Wow. Uh, oh, by the way, the the lowest of all castes I found out, just um, incidentally, is the bastard offspring of a Brahmin woman and a flute player.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Interesting.
2: <laughs> what?
1: That's uh, a way to go full circle on the on the flute there. <laughs> that's So there's, oh, wow. That's, I don't even know what to do with that. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> fascinating, but hilarious. And a little sad, obviously, casts are a weird thing. But, uh, wow. I didn't know it got deeper than that. Like, you could have, like, the... Like, it's like the, the, the societal class within a caste becomes a lower caste. Oh, that's complicated. It's <laughs> complex complicated hatred right how there.
2: complicated it gets. Now, you'd think there would just be one caste of fishing net menders, but there's two there's <laughs> the menders who do it from right to left, and the ones who do it from left to right. Oh, and wow. they cannot intermarry. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Um, the cast of of sesame oil extractors, like, are divided into those who use a ladle and those who use a spigot.
1: I would love to know the, the, I use this word loosely, but I'd love to know the logic behind this.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, you can write, you know, um... Uh, uh, like highly emotional romance novels about the the torment of oh, sure. you, know, you know a a star-crossed lovers who are from different branches of the net mending <laughs> cast. yes <laughs> uh, absolutely it would, yeah probably make a but it uh, would move out of it but. i
0: see the parallels of our of our society we have weird things that are just like proper and improper and we have a little bit more open here i guess but there's some places where just crossing your feet for example is a big insult to a lot of people you know oh, yes. so it's Absolutely. so these are i think are sure. just like societal feet. oh very yeah.
2: bad yeah no, yeah yeah not to do that yeah, you sit on your feet so <laughs> you don't expose your souls to anyone
1: yeah people are weird man that's the that's the human <laughs> that's the human condition <laughs> i am so i'm so fascinated like you're you're I can't wait to read this book because it feels like it mixes like uh like just history and anthropology and etymology and, and a bit of, a bit of psychology, a bit of like, like how do you understand colloquialisms and, and, and vernacular from, from literally millennia ago. And, and then there's all this kind of, uh, like maybe a tad of, of, of like this psycho mentality of, 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 uh, chemistry. So. Even. Hope, yeah.
2: Yeah. I would, I would hope so. I'm, uh, um, um, uh, trying to uh bring that stuff into focus. I'm writing mm-hmm. another book at the moment which is I'm not sure if it's one book or two. It's either a um uh Buddhism for psychonauts or um psychedelics for Buddhists. Yeah, you don't know, you know <laughs> I, I think <laughs> it could be two books. Like one of one of those like you remember are you too young, but the, in the sixties and seventies there were like books called Ace Doubles. They were produced by the Ace Publishing Company and they were two books of, and they were like, they had two front covers. Oh, yeah. You, know, yeah, it yeah, like, yeah. You, you turned it upside down and it was a different book. Interesting. So maybe I'll do that, you know. Maybe,
1: I would, uh, it'd it be very clever, like if, if you, you'd have to kind of think about the way you write it so that they could possibly kind <laughs> right. of merge in the middle and then it's like some kind of, uh, almost like a palindrome in terms of the... It's very psychedelic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd be a very strange, like it doesn't matter which way you read it, it's it's it more it more matters which ones you identify with more if you're a buddhist <laughs> like here's your introduction <laughs> yeah. to psycho psychedelics if you're a psychedelic if you're a psychonaut here's your introduction to the buddhism yeah. and then the uh, the kind I, of the, twist
2: I was thinking, yeah you know, it was like um um somebody uh i know is in the um uh student psychedelic society i i can't remember what it's actually called and she's um uh, she runs the uh, uh, group at Princeton and she she remarked that Buddhism seems to be a natural fit for, uh, for psychedelics and um, mm. for, um, you know, having uh, having done a bunch of psychedelics, Buddhism seems to make sense. Well, <laughs> that's kind of how it happened to me and I was um, uh, I was also fortunate to have a very um, open-minded and um, um not a dogmatic teacher who uh, i was able to spend um like all day friday with for several years wow. so i had a teacher all to myself long before most people had heard about tibetan buddhism i uh, I, I i got it like, straight from the horse's mouth if you'll excuse the expression but uh, um Yeah, straight from the llama's mouth, which gives you an entirely different, like, wrong impression. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: Excuse the pun of the expression at this point. (laughs) When you first said the word llama, I thought of a llama, like a llama, like like the animal. And I was like, nope, nope, Sammy, wrong context.
2: uh, Sasha Shulgin was um, terrible for puns. And... um, he once said to me, I, I, um, "A a one-lama uh, is a spiritual teacher in Tibet. A two-lama is an Andean camelid. What's a three-lama?" I said, "I don't know." And he said, "A big fire in Boston." <laughs> a three-lama. <A>
1: <laughs> I don't get it. Llama- <laughs> <laughs> a three alarm fire. Oh, a three alarmer. <laughs> you gotta oh, use the accent, son of a bitch. <laughs> I got <laughs> it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I'm so embarrassed. I have to get walked into the punchline. I I've failed myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really something.
2: My, my fault for target wrong.
1: No, oh, I, I think uh, I. You told it right. That's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I'm I'm wondering. I don't want to open up a can of worms here because we're I guess we're coming up on the on an hour and a half already but I'm just curious like I feel like the 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 information in let's say Christianity just give like a basic or a, a very common religion um has a kind of morality to it and obviously that's that's present in Buddhism but you're saying like you know the the psychedelic experience kind of lends itself to Buddhism and vice versa probably it seems like, obviously, Buddhism has a kind of uh, process and it's more structured uh, in its common form. I think Christianity and and a lot of other religions are as in-depth, but the let's say the cookie-cutter version of it, the mainstream version of it, loses a lot of that. But with Buddhism, it mm-hmm. always has a forward-facing mentality of being a science, sort of, and very much complements the chaotic... Mystical and spiritual experiences of of uh, psychedelics it complements it in a way that it rearranges it or maybe consolidates it. It doesn't complement it. it.
2: It's a way of um, experiencing and dealing with what is, hmm. and yeah, psychedelics can amplify your experience of what is, and um, and. Uh, um practice Buddhist meditation uh allows you to take a mental back seat if you like mm-hmm. and um and just allow things to be allow it to present itself in whatever way uh, without interfering it's a kind of um, um involuntary vipassana if you like um. Um, if or you try to yeah. with it, you will, you will come a cropper. Yeah. Um, so you just have to let it um, manifest, let it be. And um, um, the practice of, um, of tranquility meditation is also very, very <laughs> useful in um... cat's <laughs> alert. Actually, reaching over to, uh, to, to grab you on the screen. He's like, he's figured out that you're people, and he's yeah. trying to touch you. <laughs> what,
1: so. what, what's your cat's name, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, hang
2: on. His name is Blake.
1: Huh. Like the poet? His
2: name is
0: Blake. Sorry, so you cut out, what did you say?
2: I said the cat's name is Blake. He is, um, he's named after the poet William Blake. Nice. Good uh, call, Sammy. Because he yeah, looked guess like, that... <laughs> a, when he was a kitten, he looked like a little tiger. Wow. So uh, it was like tiger, tiger burning, burning bright, bright in yeah. the forests of the night. That's... <laughs> what immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry. It's a terrible, terrible um, eye rhyme there. I, I always dislike. that.
1: I, me too. It's kind of jarring. Uh,
2: oh, f- Fearful. Fearful symmetry—that's what it is. Frame thy fearful symmetry. Yeah. Um, you ever um, ever read the comic Watchmen?
1: Uh, uh, no, I just saw the movie. I haven't actually read good. the.
2: Oh, the comic has so much more. There's a uh, there's a chapter called um, Fearful Symmetry. Hmm. It's brilliantly done. So that there's a. Um, uh, full two-page spread in the middle. Go forward and backward from there. Every page is laid out in a mirror image. In every frame, the person who was speaking in one frame is now listening. The person who was mm. in, in the foreground is now in the background. Holy you shit. Know, it's, That's amazing. you won't notice it unless it's pointed out to you. Wow. It works so well.
1: And it's... not even pointed out clearly. Like, just kind of hinted at. In, in like, secret. In secret. Yet again, like, what like, the fuck is with people? <laughs> Just that's tell <laughs> just tell me what's going on.
0: <laughs> that's the mystery behind it. That's the childish ways of us, I guess, keeping well, uh, everything I an mean, adventure. Uh, yeah,
2: I I know because Alan told me about it when he wrote it. We, uh, um, that's so cool. Oh, I, 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 um, what, one of my activities in the past was that I I wrote for Marvel Comics. Um, Marvel UK for mm. um um Doctor Who Weekly, and that's how I got to know Alan Moore. Cool uh, no way. Um, and so but there's other things that happened. Um like in the first the first issue of that that story, um, he he writes a lot of detail. All the background is all written. And in the background of one scene, there is um um, a plumber's van, and it says, Gordian Knot Plumbing Company, which he thought was, a you know, a, a little funny aside. Um, the first thing you see in the first image in the book is a, uh, a smiley button with a splash of blood across it. And um, um, a little bit later in the same book, you got the Gordian Knot Uh, plumbing company. A couple of issues later, a couple of comic issues later, a couple of chapters if you got the book, um, the artist was researching one of the the, the scenes on Mars and he was looking at the uh, uh, NASA photographs of of Mars and there is a perfect smiley face on the surface of Mars and he looks up where it is. It's in the Nodus Gordianus Mountains, the Gordian Knot Mountains.
1: Hmm. What? And so,
2: wow. Uh, and so, this is like, the, 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 there is weirdness afoot, which is not even planned, not, not even um, uh, directed in any way. It's just, the universe is weird.
1: Oh, it's, yeah. I love that. But it's like, it it's almost I, I take things like that as some kind of uh, a green light or like a thumbs up. The universe is like, hey man, keep making comic books or something. Like you're you're tapping yeah, yeah, into yeah, something.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I look at it like checkpoints. Yes. It's like a like a little checkpoint. Like yeah, yeah you're going good. Exactly like what you said. Some some thing is I, I, passing you. Gatorade. The same
2: thing. I was like, yes, I I think the same. Yeah. Um, I have come across an awful lot, awful lot of. Um, coincidences Mm. in my life, really amazing ones. Like, um, a a student of mine introduced me to his roommate, Lucas, uh, who who came from Poland, and I said, oh, I taught in Poland, what part of Poland are you from? And he said, Kraków. Oh, I said, my favorite city, amazing, I loved it. I taught uh, 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 as a guest lecturer at the Jagiellonian University at the Collegium Mino, where Dr. Faust is supposed to have taught uh, and uh, where he's supposed to have learned magic. And um, I I say to him, uh, well, the lecture that I I gave there um, was about... um, Epistemology about uh, what, how we know things and how is it expressed in the Buddhist Abhidharma, and how it changes over time. Um, and um, at the end of the talk, a lot of people left to go and watch a soccer match. Um, I let people ask any question they like about Buddhism; doesn't have to be about the lecture. And someone asked, "Sometimes we get a coincidence," and people say. Uh, um, oh, that's karma. You have a karmic connection. with, And um, is this true? And I say, well, you have to understand, you know, what karma means, and I go into that, and you have to understand what a coincidence is, because very often we think things are an amazing coincidence, and it's not really. Hmm. And, uh, that's I a good said, point. For instance, if there are 23 people in a group it's more than likely that uh, the two of them have the same birthday. Now, we think that's an amazing coincidence, but it's not. The mathematics are tedious, but very easy. Mm-hmm. And um, the the head of the department was there, the head of the psychology department. He says, oh, that can't be right. And I said, check it with your math department. I, I mean, it, I'm not going to go into the math now because I'm not sure I can remember it, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. check it. And... Um, the, my translator who's sitting next to me says, look, I, I think there are 23 people here, why don't we do it? And uh, um, I said, yeah, all right, we'll go around, announce your birthday, anybody else got the same birthday, put the hand up. Uh, now, where should we start? And my translator says, well, with you, of course. I go, okay, February 26th. Head of the department puts his hand up.
0: <laughs> wow.
2: And as... You know, outside later in the corridor, he comes up to me. He's and my brother. How how did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it was a communist country, right? I mean, it's not going to be enemy interference. And uh, uh, he says, How, how did you? Get? I said, Look, here's my passport. There's my birthday, February 26th. Yeah. And he says, Wow. Will you teach me meditation? I haven't been able to get to sleep since my wife Mm. left me. It was like 180 degrees, like absolutely turn around. Anyway, I'm telling this story to Lucas, who says, Wow, that is an amazing coincidence. And I said, No, I I just explained it's not a (laughs) coincidence. No, he says, No, no, not that. He says, My birthday is February 26th, too.
0: (laughs) 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 Whoa.
1: (laughs) You gotta be kidding me!
0: That's amazing. (laughs) You're telling him the
1: story. uh, You're telling him a story about coincidences, and in the story is your your birthday matching the head of the department, who was the skeptic, uh, who, and then that guy's birthday is also that. That's wild. That is mind blowing. That's
2: yeah. I tell you, the world is just weird. You just gotta shrug these things off. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's the (laughs) best way. The answer is don't think about it. I, I mean, that, I don't know where to go with that. That does seem like, that's, a, that's an amazing story. And that's like orders of magnitude more coincidental, you know? Like it, if, if you bump into somebody you know, and they say small world, you know, you can cleverly say, no, small city. You know, like we actually live in the same place. Yeah. Coincidence can be unpacked a little oh, well,
2: bit. I met somebody, um, look, uh, I mentioned uh, we, uh, we were climbing mountains in China with my friend Steve, hmm. who spoke Chinese So I let him, he was quite fluent, and I I let him handle the maps and so on, because he could read Chinese. I was there six weeks with him before he realized he didn't know Chinese maps have south at the top. We were constantly getting lost. (laughs) and We climbed climbed this mountain backwards and, um, you know, against the stream of, climbers. We're only two of them going that way. Everybody else is coming this. Way. <laughs> and, and I was coming up to this, this stage and I heard someone shouting Mike! What? Mike! And I thought, look I'm in China. I've never been here before. <laughs> um, it can't possibly be me they're talking about. It must be some Chinese word I don't understand. That's it. So anyway I get up to this place and, and there's this woman sitting down swathed in uh, scarves and got goggles on. She says, Mike, what are you doing here? Mm. I said, I- I'm climbing the mountain, but who are you? And she laughed, took her scarves and goggles and things off and uh, explained well, she didn't have to explain. I can see. Obviously, she's the woman who worked in the next office to mine, the next room to mine at all Computers in Silicon Valley. Mm. And... Uh, uh, she, she was there with a husband who worked on the Stanford Linear Accelerator, and he was explaining to the Chinese how to make like nuclear accelerators. And she had been given a guide to take her to scenic spots in China, and this was one of them. And the guide, oh, the poor guy, he was like, he was in the corner, his head in his hands, going white and sweating, you know, because he's like, oh my God. Like nuclear secrets are being like <laughs> passed in from one to the other in front of me, <laughs> and I can't do anything about it. Um, so, but <laughs> but it was sheer coincidence, That's you know. Incredible. There's another case where they think, "Oh, it must be enemy action." Yeah, no,
1: it has it was to be just
2: coincidence.
1: Oh God! I mean, we—I'm surprised we have gotten—we've gotten this far without mention, mentioning the word Leela. I mean, you're very familiar with Sanskrit, and I—I've heard this word uh, often. Uh, and it's play. it's play, yeah. It's, um, it's some higher yeah, power is messing with us mm-hmm. in some kind yeah. of loving way. Yeah, you
2: mentioned that loving way because it doesn't just mean play. Hmm. It means foreplay.
1: Oh, does it? <laughs> That's amazing. <Yes.
0: laughs>
2: Literally, it I love means that foreplay. And they all like everybody who's like read these Victorian translations and stuff just has it as play but it's a little more directed than
1: that that's fascinating i'm so glad i brought it up that's great
0: mike we gotta we gotta wrap this up
1: yeah we do unfortunately uh
0: this was awesome and uh, we'd love to have you back on at some point to even talk about your new books and just in general to have you back on
2: oh cool yeah i had fun too i always like um Blathering on like this. Uh,
1: it was great. We loved it. I I would love to read your book and, yeah. and come back more informed and have some better questions and stuff. Or it sounds like you just have a lot of cool stories as well. Like I just can't wait to have you back on again. Is is there any um is there any social media, anything you want to uh, direct people, any of the listeners, if they want to find you? Or obviously, the book.
2: Um the book, Secret Drugs of Buddhism, has its own Facebook page. I have my Facebook page page and mike crowley on fa- one of the mike Crowley's on facebook that's
0: good. and
2: mm. also if um as i get older i feel uh, i feel i'm reading a lot more biographies and autobiographies mm. and i would like to recommend a really fascinating book to both you two and to your audience which mm. is called divine rascal it's about, it's a, a it's a real page turner and it's a very, very well researched book about the guy who turned on Timothy Leary, the guy really? who introduced Timothy Leary to LSD. Whoa. And, um, um, here's, um, yeah, I, I will say no more. I'm the, the book is, It's by, <laughs> sold. It's by Andy, yeah. Andy Roberts, who is a really good writer and a bit of a psychedelic historian and um, so that sounds uh, like a Scott perfect storm
1: Ed, yeah i can't yeah. wait to read that yeah
2: yeah so um I, I i just uh i read it end of last year um and loved it it's the best book i've read for ages Beautiful. so the um, the the title
1: alone got me hooked divine rascal honest. yeah
2: <laughs> divine rascal yeah <laughs> Awesome. Um, so by michael hollingshead um, his real name was Shinkfield, uh, but I, I'll let you find out all the rest. It's uh, it's a, a great, breathtaking book, as he was a really larger-than-life character. Yeah,
0: I can't Thank, thank a... you for that recommendation. That's yeah, uh, that's, appreciate that. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> you know,
2: throw in a, and, uh, another book. And, and, and of course, and of course, of, course. of Buddhism is. Uh, it's a... like chock full of it, hundreds of illustrations, and uh, uh, yeah, people can and purchase this on Amazon, they can purchase it on Amazon, um, and um, from the publisher's own well, um, uh, website, uh, Synergetic Press. So, yes, it's full of fun for all, all the family, and um, <laughs> uh, so packed with revelations and uh, um hidden gems of obscure erudition fantastic so,
1: i can't wait man I'm talking to you and and seeing how your brain works and seeing all the information you've gathered i i'm i i am holding my breath to yeah. to see uh <laughs> like a like your body like your work compressed into something uh like into a, a book like that so i'm i'm yeah. tangible Exactly. Well, thank you again, man. Really, really love talking to you. Can't wait to have you on again. I know I've said it like 10 times, but I really mean it. And thanks for your time. And yeah, it was a great pleasure, really. Yes. Well,
2: it was was a pleasure talking. um, And I had no idea that chimpanzees could be so articulate.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, the the Soma helped. (laughs) (laughs) Take care. Have a good one, man. Thank you.